All right. So, thanks everybody for joining in. This is the Bars Open Last Call. And tonight, we have on Albert Castro again. Part two. <laughs> Part two. Yeah. So, basically, again, just kind of going back and uh, giving everybody a heads up on what this is. It's basically just a, a way to chat, to document, kind of go through when we have people that have had an amazing life and history and done a lot of really cool things. We want to make sure that we're able to go through and document those sorts of things. So this is just, it's a conversation piece that we want to have that, again, it just brings folks together, make you understand what people have done for this country and what yeah. people have, you know, continued to, uh, you know, they dedicated their entire lives to. So again, this is Albert Castro. Um, I'm lucky enough to know him, obviously, because it's my wife's father so it's pretty cool so quick recap from episode one that we did that um i just want to go over real fast <clears throat> with you is um when we talked last time um we we kind of went through you know growing up in brownsville and growing up or, or meeting just your youth basically right and we went through some of that and how you met your high school sweetheart iris in high school um obviously and uh, how long? One question, real quick, that I don't think we covered last time is how long were you married, Dyers? How long were we married? Sixty years. Sixty years. Yep. yep. So that's a long time. Beth and I were talking about that, and that's it. We got married when I was thirty, and I was like, I have to be ninety. I have to still be alive to even make it that long. Yeah, it was a wonderful marriage too. Yep. Man. She, absolutely. I had a I had a great wife who backed whatever I wanted to yep. do. She she was there. Absolutely. So that that's an important piece of of your entire life. I mean, yeah. it was your family and, yeah. you know, just having that support structure there. So you were in the Marines, of course, you did a tour in Korea. Um, you got out of the Marines. So we talked through that and go back and listen to that and watch that um, afterwards or watch it before this. And, you know, you can get an idea of that. You got out of the Marines, you moved to Corpus Christi, Texas, right? Right. Right. And you became a longshoreman for a bit. While I was doing college, doing, during the doing summer, school. I would do that. Yes. Right. So you did that, went to college, worked as a longshoreman, and then you had, you know, at that point, so you had already, you just were having Albert at that point? Yes. Right? Yes. Okay, so you had Albert only at that point, and then you moved down to Brownsville after that. No. Where oh, were you a police officer? In Brownsville. In Brownsville, that's yeah, what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's where we're going to pick up today, is kind of you getting into law enforcement, okay. right? Because you were, he was an educator for a while after he got out of college, right? Which is always fun. Yeah. <laughs> Teaching the youth. It wasn't my cup of tea, yeah, that's no. for sure. <laughs> Not by, when we get into this, you're going to notice like the, the trajectory took a hard right. Yes, right? It yes, just yes. went different, a different direction altogether. So, um, Really, that's what we want to get into today. Into today is talking about kind of your, your, I guess, history of what made you decide to get into law enforcement and go that route. Like, why did you do that ultimately? Well, I think I mentioned this before. I was ten years old. Uh, I got into trouble with the police, and twice. Uh, once it was a piece of cake because. I had taken a football at a football game, and I had taken a football and ran with it. Okay. And the policemen were out looking for me. They found me, and took the ball away from me, took me into the stadium and sat me on the 50-yard line, and that was it. When the game was over, everybody left, and I'm sitting there looking, well, I guess I can go home. So I did. <laughs> the second time that, we got, that I got picked up was uh, we were stealing some oranges. Okay. And uh, I was on the tree throwing the oranges down. <laughs> and the guys on the ground were picking them up, putting them in sacks with real delicious navel oranges. oranges. Yeah. yeah. And the guy came out, and they all took off running, and he took off running after them, and I'm in a tree. Said, oh, boy. And But the guy had left, so I get down. I picked up an orange for myself and took off. <laughs> well, to make a long story short, the patrol, he had called the police. And yeah. Sure enough, they picked all of us up. Gotcha. And so they took us to the police station, mm -hmm. and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at the different police officers, and a couple of, a couple of them look really sharp. I'm ten years old, by right. the way. And I says, yeah. so they gave us a lecture. Okay. Uh, the sergeant but came not out. Stealing. Sergeant Esparza, I'll never forget. Sergeant Esparza came out. He gave us a chewing out and a lecture about. 
going the wrong way in life and told us to go home. I says, do we get a ride home? She said, no, you all walk. So we had to go home. And this by this time, it's almost 11 o'clock. Oh, so anyway, I, I, when I got home, I'm lying there in bed, and I'm thinking, you know, when I grow up, two things I'm going to do in my life. One, I'm going to be a police officer. And two, I'm going to be a Marine. Nice. And sure enough, I accomplished both of them. You absolutely did, yeah. So that's pretty, that's pretty amazing kind yeah. of yeah, way to think about it. You yeah. know, it's like you're 10 years old, you already had this mindset that you're going to do that so not many people do not that. only 10 years old yeah no, no, no. <laughs> or or even a lot not a lot of people well, well, get into doing what they actually i wanted saw to do yeah i i thought that's what i'm going to do right and i did it good that's awesome I mean, that's amazing so you were an officer down in brownsville um when did you become a police officer do you in know? uh 1963 okay uh in the late summer I went to the academy in August. Where'd you go to the academy? Was it in uh, Texas A&M had an extension down there. Okay. And it was a police academy. They, they have a law enforcement division that Texas A&M does. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, that's for those those who are majoring in law, or, criminal justice. Okay, yeah. Well, anyway, the academy was 12 weeks. Very good. You ran a lot. <laughs> read a lot. Read a lot of the law. State, yeah. state law. And uh, when I graduated in September, I was a full-fledged cop. That's awesome. Yeah. And that was the start of it all. Yeah. And being the rookie, they put me get where? In Market Square, where all the bars are located. Oh, really? There's one bar after another. And there's always fights and drunks. It's always right in the middle of it's it. It's a bar. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Just a, it was, it was yeah. interesting, right? Yeah. It was, it was fun. To me, it was fun. Right. Absolutely. Everybody was going, what a night it's been, blah, 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 blah. And you're so, just hey, jazzed about having job. fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's awesome. So you you were an officer for nine years, you said, right? Yes. So nine years, you were a patrolman. So you have patrol. a funny story about, like, your your partner, Gabe, you mentioned before. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, we were walking the beat, and, of course, my beat uh, was right next to Gabe Vega, Okay. Uh, that another rookie like me, we okay. were in the academy together. And about, oh, it must have been about one o'clock in the morning, we hear this glass breaking loud. At night, you can hear things from far away. So, right. so I said, oh, that sounds like a. So I started working my way to, to where I heard the noise. And sure enough, my friend, <laughs> the other officer, Gabe, was coming the other way. And they saw the guy reaching in. He had broken the glass. The window okay. of a liquor store and grabbed two bottles, and and Gabe was closest to him than me, and we he took off running and we're after, and <laughs> Gabe kept yelling, "Police officer, stop! Police officer, stop!" You know, and the guy went, so he throws his flashlight at the guy, and because he was close enough to hit him, and it just bounced off his back. The guy didn't stop, didn't <laughs> kept going. Then he throws his handcuffs at the guy. And, What's he gonna- <laughs> and, and by this time, I'm laughing, right? Then he took his cap off and threw it at the guy. I said, oh, that did it right there. I had to stop. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. And then finally, he caught the guy. But, I mean, he looked around for me, and I was always still sitting there laughing. Up. laughing. I said, oh, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and that's one of the highlights of a rookie. Being a rookie yeah, patrolman, yeah, yeah. right? That's awesome. So you were a motorcycle police officer for a while as well? Yeah, for... Actually, it was a very short time. I think it's four months. I was a, a, a traffic cop on a motorcycle okay. until I had a little wipeout. And my wife says, you get off that bike. You tell Ruben, that was the lieutenant who had become my rabbi. Okay. Uh, Explain to people what the rabbi is. Rabbi is a quick. person in position that can do a lot of things for you. Okay. Right? Uh, uh, Put good words in for you, yeah, help you, yeah, help you, yeah. or whatever. That's right. Need. That's everybody had a rabbi. I had him when I was a police officer, and then I had a rabbi when I was a federal. Okay, but anyway, uh, uh, I had a wipe. I started drizzling. There was a rule that when it started raining, you were supposed to go back to the station, park the motorcycle, and get in the car with another traffic okay. cop. And as I made the turn, you know how that gravel gathers in there. Yeah, around the corner. And I was only doing about fifteen miles an hour. Bike slid out, and slid out from under me, and I ended up and with a bum knee and all that. And my wife says, "Nope, you You're don't. Done. Get, 
I don't want to be a widow. You get off of that bias. <laughs> right. So, so she called Reuben. Oh, right. Just get him off That's the that pull bike. of the sp- yeah. the wife in this situation, right? Everybody she, knows. Yeah. Yeah. She says, get him off the bike. He's going to kill himself. So, because I had a big chase also. I got chewed out. Oh, really? on a mo- When I was on, on a motorbike, this guy was coming down the wrong way on a one-way street. Okay. And I tried to stop him, and he evaded the arrest. He took a ride, and he took off. And I'm going to reach speeds of 60 miles an hour thereabouts, and Finally, the guy blows a tire, and he had to go limp over and pulled over, and I arrested him for DUI. He was drunk. DWI. Uh, gotcha. We called it DWI yeah. back then. Well, by this time, a patrol car, two patrol cars had, had joined us, and uh, they took the guy in, and Ruben called me the next day, and he points the finger right at my nose. He says, let this be the last time you do any chasing on a motorcycle. Right. Don't you ever... And I go, well, I was trying to say, I know what you were trying to do, and that's good of you, but you... you you're were, on a bike, yeah. No, he says, you were putting your life in danger. That's what I mean, yeah, you're on a bike, yeah. It doesn't yeah. take much. So I said, yes, sir, yes, sir. Right. Shortly after that, I had to wipe out, and my wife told Ruben, get him out for that. He doesn't they did. Take too many risks at that yeah. point, so yeah. that's awesome. So uh, you went from being a patrolman to a detective, detective right? right? Exactly. So um, about how long were you a patrolman before you became a detective? Uh... Almost three years. Three years, okay. No, three to three or four years. It's been so long, yeah. Right. And I made detective. There was an opening. There was two openings, actually, for detective position. The guys had retired. Mm-hmm. I put in for it and took the test and passed it and became a detective. Ruben helped me. Okay. Was it, so my rabbi helped me. rabbi helped yeah, to get in. Yeah. There was four of us that took the test, and all four of us passed it, but he picked me. Right. So that's in there's only a couple spots. Your best. Your yeah. best. Me and Andy, Andy, Andy Vega was the other officer that made cool. it into detective. So you, you, that's where you got into, you know, just making cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And where, this, did, where were you assigned, like, when you were a detective? Like, citywide. To? Okay. We, we, citywide. Wherever the case might take. Case wherever, yeah, and uh, uh, as a detective, I investigated uh, a suicide, a homicide, and a robbery. Okay. That was the good cases, you know. And the bigger cases Yeah, and I, I worked them pretty good, too, and yeah. ended up with good results, too. So. Yeah. Except for the dead people. I know. It's <laughs> unfortunate. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. So then you got into, you became a um, narcotics yeah. detective. Yeah. Right? It was a short uh, division. It was only three of us, four of us, three or four of us, and right. that was it. And that's but but that's where it kind of changed your again it changed the trajectory of yeah right. kind of your career yeah and right? at that point is when I got hooked on being a narcotics guy right I enjoyed tremendously right so there's a case that you you mentioned to me earlier today about um, there was like a, a a pot bus that you were sitting on for a few days yes okay uh, this happened it was it was in the summer and uh, the uh, a farmer was plowing his fields, and he noticed a big old bunch of branches covering something. He said, that wasn't there right. yesterday. He, it's kind of different. He's yeah, telling us. Sudden, something so right. he went to check it out, lifted up the van. Sure now there were 50 pounds of weed wrapped in. And so he called the police. So naturally, the narcotic and the other detectives. Right. You all sat. Sat there. Started investigating yeah, it. Yeah. And we sat there for two days. On the third day, two days, we ended up. Eating hamburgers and French fries, <laughs> cold, and uh, luckily it never rained. But, but right. there was always a threat of rain. I said, "Oh, it's going to be messy," but it never rained. And on the third day, uh, one of the guys said, "There's a car coming down the road." And I says, "Okay, that's that's strange. There's no traffic on that road." Anyway. Okay, so, so it's, it's out in the middle, literally yeah, out yeah, in the middle yeah, of nowhere. Yeah, yeah exactly. Car. By close, well, they were about a hundred yards from the river. Okay. So right, I mean, this is south, south Texas. This yeah, is this is south, like right on the, on the south side of town, too. Okay. In fact, the road leading to that area was called the southmost road. Okay. Anyway, they stopped, and three guys got out. They looked around, take the can that was on the ground around, looked around, lit up a cigarette, sat around for a while. Then they, they decided to get the weed so they started to go in there taking the branches off we had to wait till they actually got him got possession okay. in other words possession 
I'll put the lead point. To like put it in the vehicle erect, kind of thing? But, but, but you can't prove it's theirs. Okay. But when they pick it up. Then they're taking possession yeah. of it. Okay. So when they started bringing the packages to the car, we came in. We all ran in across, hollering police officer, blah, blah, blah. Unbeknown to us, those guys had a backup, a guy in another car about 50 yards, 60 yards away from us on the intersection, stopped, and Roy Cepeda was just watching. and me were the closest to him, and he fired at us. Three shots, boom, boom, boom. And I could hear the, holy shit, we hit the ground. Roy Cepeda says, he's shooting at us. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy starts to take off. We run. Roy and I run and got in our car, and the chase was on. Yeah. And we chased him for about 30, 40 minutes, alleys and main streets and stuff, almost had several wrecks. And finally he got on his street that he lived on, and just as he was starting to drive into his driveway, we had already almost caught up with him. We blocked it. Okay. And knowing that he had a gun, we jumped out as fast as we could, and I grabbed the guy from the neck and wrapped his hand and I'm trying to pull him out and he's fighting he's fighting he's hitting me with the other hand unbeknown to us there were five guys barbecuing waiting for the dope there are the the ones people that were, picking it up yeah, yeah they, were, they, were they were from Houston okay and so uh, they came out to help him and they started beating us and I mean to tell you they broke my nose Right. Blood just, just flew I everywhere. Mean, everybody's getting smashed. Well, it's seven against, or six against two. Me and, me and Roy. Right. And, and, Roy, so was, Roy, and Roy was a rookie. Right. So he went, And Roy was also not like, didn't have a lot of law enforcement background. <laughs> no, no. At all. So he anyway, was a radio were, announcer. They were beating said, the right? daylights out of us, and they broke my nose at that fight anyway. And... Uh, there was another officer by the name of Beto Medrano who was just a block away, mm -hmm. had answered a call of a fight between kids, and he had taken the bat out of one of them. The kids told, took off running, and but he saw what was going on, and he recognized us. He recognized the police car. Okay. And he came over. Are you in a marked car at this point? No, no. Oh, you just, no. Just, okay, yeah, you just yeah. can tell. Okay. And he got there, and boy, bless his heart, he started banging heads with that baseball bat, Boom. knocking guys out and stuff, and... If it hadn't been for us, I bet you 10 to 1, we would have ended up in the hospital. Right. But well, you already had a broken nose and everything oh, else yeah. and beat yeah. up. So, just yeah. five so, guys. So I mean, blood guys. all over my shirt, all over my face. And so I told him, I said, well, take them all in. I'll go over there and do some paperwork. Let me go home and change. And so I get home. My wife had just gotten home from work. She used, at that time, working for the district attorney's office. Okay. And I walk in, and she goes, oh, my God, what happened? I said, yeah, we got into a little hassle with some dopers and whatnot. I came over to change clothes to take a shower. He says, you better go to the hospital. I said, nah, I don't need to go to the hospital. <laughs> a broke. I'm says, a boxer. You, she goes, your nose is pointing south. <laughs> so I look in the mirror, sure enough. So I go, oh, shit. You know, it is bad. So I said, I grab right where I could feel it. And, this, and I go, Whoosh. Ugh. And I heard it uh, crack, and uh, I I yelled so loud I think my neighbors heard. <laughs> oh, talk about painful! Anyway, I did it, and I got tears coming out of my mm -hmm. eyes. And so I took a shower, changed shirts, and all that, and I went back to the office to start doing because it was a serious case, assault on an officer, yeah, and, right, and uh, resisting arrest, and I don't know a bunch of charges, right. But we couldn't charge the guy with a assault with intent to commit murder. On the police officer. Why is that? Because we couldn't find the gun. Ah. And the so he tossed it or yeah, some the, shit, yeah, right? So, yeah. The doctor, he must have tossed the, it. Yeah, or the something. DA said, no, we can't charge him with that because you didn't find the gun. You, that's. But anyway, when I got to the office that night, my yeah. eyes were starting to shut down. My nose yeah. was wide, And I could barely see. And uh, I get my red I said, no, go home. We'll, we'll work it out. Mm -hmm. The report. You yeah. just go home and take some take aspirin. Yeah, like. <laughs> Chill up, put some ice on your face, basically. Says, right? Go home and have your wife take care of that. And I'll see you in two days. Stay home a couple of days. Yeah. And sure enough, it good enough because the next day I couldn't see it all. I was gonna say, wife, yeah, it's even worse the next my day. My wife was putting ice and she took off from work to take care of me and all that. She had a wonderful woman. Yeah. Wonderful woman. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, that was a good case. Yeah, so after that, that kind of got you, you did, um, when did, so you got, that was a narcotics case. Yeah. But when did you start, going undercover 
oh. on that. Like, cause I know you, you yeah. started doing some undercover work. Yeah. Okay. At that point. Uh, the agent in charge who was Fred Turner, super nice guy. Super nice. Yeah. Asked me if I would do a case for them undercover. So he, who did he worked for who? He was a customs agent. He was a federal agent. Yeah, federal okay. agent. agent. He was a federal agent in charge of customs agents in okay. Brownsville. And they had six guys there, six agents, six or seven. I became real friends with one of them, Tom Gilbert, who was from originally from Oklahoma. Uh, he and I just hit it off out of the bat. And so I did the, a, a, a couple of cases. Actually, the first one was a big one, having to do with 18 wheelers loaded with uh, uh, each, each trailer had a million Two and all and second all barbiturates. So that's like... Um, There's a downer. A downer, and okay. heroin addicts use it when they can't get heroin. They'll pop in a couple of those pills. Or it just makes them like he's walking just, zombies, you know. Okay. Slur speech and the whole works. So I worked that case, and unbeknown to the to the customs agents, there were two other 18-wheelers okay. involved. But I found that out working under and taking them... Got their confidence. So when, the, like, how did you get involved? Like, how did you get introduced into being? Uh, he was hiring people undercover. He would give you. Uh, he would Working give you. That guy. Yeah, back then it was a lot of money. He would give you fifty bucks to offload the stuff. Yeah. While he put the the, the pills were in small, twelve by eight boxes. Okay. Because you, I mean, that's a shit yeah. ton of pills, I imagine. Yeah. So, and he had twelve boxes, and he says it's a million of them, a million pills. And in Texas, they would sell anywhere from two to three dollars a pill. Up north, Wisconsin, Ohio. Uh, the farther you get away from the border, <laughs> yeah, right? It's five dollars a pill. So he had more than a million dollars worth. Yeah, if you do the quick yeah. math on that, yeah. So, in that point of time, he uh, introduced me to the other two eighteen-wheelers who were already loaded and ready to go. They were just waiting on him. And so. Uh, we offloaded, loaded the pills, then loaded the produce that he had picked up and watermelons and cabbage and lettuce and all that in boxes. And the guy says, all right, well, take a break, guys. We're going to go get a bite to it before we hit the road and have a beer or two. And you all can either come in and get a hamburger or do whatever you have. I'll see you and come back. And when I come back, I'll pay you. Okay. So when they left, I got on the phone right away. He says, Fred, this is Albert. What's going on, Mio? Is it looking good? I says, it's already done. I says, but guess what? There's two other 18-wheelers. Versus just the one that was yeah. initially suspected. You, you, or he goes, two more? I said, yeah, I just met the drivers. He says, where are they? He says, well, they're parked over here at the terminal. So he says, well, great. So they had to wait until the 18-wheelers actually got on the highway to show intent. Okay. That, that we're going to, with they're the, going to try and go yeah, the transport. Charge be, is it transportation across like yeah. border or state yeah, lines well, or something? Well, it also shows intent of distribution. Okay. So uh, they let them go down about 10, 15 miles outside of Brownsville and bingo, they got they bag, and bag So them that was a feather in my cap. And uh, uh, Fred says uh, at one time, at one point, he says, Albert, if you're going to be doing narcotics, you better become a fed and get paid well for it. So I says, well, uh, sure. He says, but they're not hiring. There's a freeze. He says, I'll make arrangements. That's why I called him a rabbi. He made arrangements. There's no hiring. There was a freeze. Right, back in 69, I think. He 69, said, right? yeah. yeah. Why yeah. was there a freeze, by the way? I, I don't think I know. It was just like the federal government was yeah. just frozen. Like they didn't frozen, hire yeah. anybody. Yeah, okay. they were not hiring anybody. Uh, something to do with the budget. I don't know what all. You okay. Know, uh, something, okay. I wasn't involved in politics and nope, knew anything fair. about politics. <laughs> I do now, but, but right. back then... It was not important to me, and uh, I got home and told my wife, Fred wants me to take a test, and she worked at the DA. She says, well, I know. I know Mr. Turner. Mm -hmm. He says, he's a nice man. I said, yes, he is. He's super. He wants me to take a test and right. become a Fed, and she said, well, when do you take it? I says, Tuesday. It's three days. Friday. He says, what do you, what, you should start reading. Get the encyclopedia. Read. <laughs> Just have anything you can get your hands yeah. on. Yeah, so sure enough, come Come Tuesday, uh, I was the only guy in the room. You're like, what the hell? Wait a minute. Yeah, because nobody was being hired. So right. I, he specifically saw what you brought to the table, too. Yeah. So I took the test, 
and I made a 78 or 79. Then they gave me five points because I was a veteran. So okay. So that put me in the 84-ish or something. Yeah. So sure enough, there we go. Yeah. Then I, I was told when to report to, to Washington, D.C. So where'd you go, Quantico? No, no, not, that's Virginia. No. That's At that time, Quantico was off limits to, to everybody. There was just, there were so... Just CIA or whatever. FBI. FBI. So anyway, uh, Fort Belvoir. Okay. Which is outside Washington, D.C., about 40 miles southwest of Washington. All and right. Fort Bell was an Army base, but they had a special area for... Federal agent federal training base. and now, stuff like that. Uh, I, I was there and uh, went through the academy and all kinds of stuff that goes in the academy. Hard, very hard. A lot of running. You start... Start off in the morning when you first the first week the first the morning the guy comes in like a DI yelling at you get out you sleepy bulkheads and blah blah yeah. and calling us all kinds of names you're like you're used to this yeah, I, you're yeah, a marine yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> laughing now it's a piece of cake man then he goes now we're gonna put on your tennis shoes and shorts and we're gonna do a little run well we started off two miles okay yeah, a lot of guys couldn't couldn't, just couldn't couldn't hack couldn't it couldn't hack it see and so but anyway to make a long story second week. They added another mile. Second week was three, three miles. Right. And finally, at the end, you were running five miles. But this is where a lot of them washed out. If they couldn't, they were, they told you right at the beginning, if you fail this, 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 you're out. You can only fail two tests. Okay. And you got, we had a total of seven tests All while right. I was there. Different, you know, having to do with the federal law and whatnot and but if you failed two tests, you were out. So we started out with 39, 48 uh, people and ended up with 20, so 27. Almost 50%-ish. Yeah, they bugged out. They either yeah, couldn't run. Washed out, yeah. A lot of them couldn't run. They could run, but they could never Not fast enough no, or no, whatever. No, they wouldn't even finish. Oh, they just couldn't even do the yeah. five miles? Yeah. Jeez. So they got washed out. Yeah. Others, and by the, by the way, while we were at the academy, they are doing our background. Okay. And uh, several of them, you woke up in the morning and the bunk was empty. They came in during the night and says, you're out of here. Yeah. out of here. You know, something, something in the background, yeah? Yeah. So I said, okay. It's interesting. So that's when you became um, an air marshal also. Yeah. So at yeah. Customs yeah. and yeah. Air Marshal yeah. at that right. point. Exactly. And that's so a fit. That was, where, that was where your federal days started. Yeah. And it's a, as a matter of fact, when you graduated, one of the things they gave you was a little tie pin. Okay. It was a little pig with wings. Oh, really? Pig. I know. Yeah, a sky marshal. <laughs> That's interesting. That, that, yeah. So the anyway. Connotation uh, back then, yeah. I guess about the last week of the academy, we got our orders, and mm -hmm. uh, I opened mine up. They were in manila folders, big old folders. You know, I opened okay. it up, and they go, oh, shit. It says, reporting to Chicago, and it tells you the date. And where is Iris in Albert at this right point? In Brownsville. Right, and she's still working for the South VA. Texas, as far as you can get practically. So, no, by by this time she had transferred over to immigration at the bridge, okay. International Bridge, International Bridge. Yeah, and I called her and I said, "What's up?" She said, "How you doing? You almost home, baby?" I said, "Yeah, but guess what?" She said, well, "What? My station is going to be Chicago." And she and there was a silence for about two minutes, <laughs> and I go, "Hello, you there?" And she go, yeah, okay, home is where you make it, babe. We're ready to go. She was probably still shocked, though. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're moving to Chicago. Yeah, of all the places, like I mean, a, a guy cold, from a, a small town, <laughs> yep. and going to a huge Big city. city yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, but the day before the graduation, mm -hmm. Fred Turner, my rabbi, had just gotten promoted, and he was now a big shop. Okay, it, with he customs, was, he was yeah. still in Okay, yeah, he was in charge of uh, of uh, personnel and uh, some other thing. I forgot what it was. And uh, I'm sitting in my bunket, folding stuff to put in the suitcase. And he walked in. He says, "How you doing?" I say, hey, "Mr. Turner, don't call me Mister. Call me Fred. You know me as yeah, Fred." Yeah, guys have been buddies oh, for a right, long time. Yeah. How you doing, Fred? He says, "I'm doing great. I hear you did real well." I said, "Well, it was fun." Right. Yeah. Uh, he goes, uh, so you're going to Chicago, huh? I said, yeah, that's what the paper says. Then he goes, well, you're not. 
Okay. Says, I'm not. Okay. Where am I going? You're going to Dallas. Nice. So here I go. Call my wife. Guess what? What? We're not going to Chicago. Where are we going then? Dallas. Oh, well, this is Texas. Right, right. <laughs> At least it's still in the state. It's only yeah. four hours away or seven yeah, hours so away from That's how I reported to Dallas. Okay. And I was there six months. There, okay. But but while I was there, one day after I come back from a from a, one of those turnarounds. So go over that real quick. So you're literally on the flight, just flying all over. The yeah, country. make sure we're all over the while country. While I was there, there were three hijackings. The hijackings were going big time at that time. Was it okay? Oh yeah. So that, is that where like? The air marshal kind of started. Yes, was because of hijackings, hijackings and stuff like right. that. So, so uh, uh, there were three hijackings, and luckily on my flights it was cool, man. I, my flights were from Dallas to Miami, spend the night in Miami to St. Paul, Minneapolis, spend the night there, and then back the same way. All right. And the other trip I had was from Dallas to New York. That was a bummer because you had five, five and a half, six hours. Of Layover while you were waiting to come back. And to just Dallas. sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, uh, and I, by the way, every, going up and coming back, I would have cheesecake. <laughs> I had so much <laughs> cheesecake that I can't stand cheesecake uh, anymore. I'm now For starting to like before, it now, yeah, but well, back then I could <laughs> turn my stomach. But anyway, uh, and one day I'm writing on my report of the last flight I was in. You had to write everything. The government, everything's a report. Right, right. So I'm writing my report, and I was signing it already and all that, and I see somebody standing here. I said, Fred, what are you doing in Dallas? Well, I'm here. I got transferred myself. He transferred himself. Yeah, I transferred (laughs) myself to Dallas. I says, great. Are you going to be here, huh? I says, yeah. And uh, he says, have you... Bought a house? I said, well, no, the wife was just here. We went looking around for mm-hmm. about five hours. Finally mm-hmm. found something decent. Right. And she went back to work. And Excuse me. Brownsville, and I, I said, I'd start the paperwork. He says, don't. Why? He says, I'm going to transfer you to Eagle Pass. I said, where the hell is Eagle Pass? I don't even know where Eagle Pass is. Eagle Pass is uh, south of uh, Del Rio, about 40 miles. South of Del okay. Along the, uh, <laughs> yep, along the right river. Right along the river, yeah. yeah. And uh, he says, uh, you're going to Eagle Pass. All right. I says, okay. Like, okay. So I called the wife, guess what? We're not going to be living in Dallas. I says, where are we going now? I says, we're going to Eagle Pass. She goes, where the hell is Eagle Pass? <laughs> right. I said, well. <laughs> it's it's on the border. It's on the border. Yeah. It's like Brownsville and Matamoros, the same thing here. Eagle is it Pass. like in between Brownsville and, and um, Del Rio somewhere? No, no, no. Or is it Eagle Pass is between Laredo and Del Rio. Okay. All right. Okay. So so uh, at that time, it was a small community, and then Fred said, you better go and see if you can find a house. It's right. Like, the houses are scarce down there. Sure enough, I found out why. It was a very small town. Uh, and when I got there and I go, holy cow, I'm running around. and There is nothing. It's just a tiny They had town. one restaurant, and there was a McDonald's. <laughs> of course it was, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> that was it's it. everywhere, yeah. <laughs> Even back then, yeah. So I called the wife. I says, I hope you like Del Rio. I mean, uh, Eagle Pass, uh, it's, a, it's a very small town, about half the size of Brownsville, maybe a little, maybe less. Yeah, and I said, but uh, housing is scarce, and but I found an apartment that's very cheap, and we can. She says, okay, well, if that if you're happy, he says again, like I said before, home is where you make it. Right. So absolutely, I went back to Dallas in two weeks. So what were you going to do down there? Huh? It's going to be customs. I was going to be a customs patrol officer. Okay. Well, customs patrol. So you're no longer going to be an air marshal. Yeah, you would yeah, be right. Okay. They did away with the customs patrol officer. By the way, shortly after, All right. uh, a customs patrol officer's duty was to check uh, merchandise coming into the oh, like the, in the, trucks and yeah, stuff like that, kind stuff. of like the the pill and thing. Yeah, 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 exactly like the pill thing. You check right. stuff, make sure there's no contraband and so. And uh, uh, anyway, that was the part of the the duty. Right. And so I got back to Dallas and about four or five days later, something like that, somewhere around there, Fred goes, uh, did you go to Eagle Pass? He says, you didn't buy a house, did you? <laughs> oh, shit. And I said, I knew what he was going to say. 
Uh, no. Good. He says, I'm transferring your butt to San Antonio. And you're like, okay. Uh, Is, are you sure? Yeah, exactly. You know, and right? I said, because, because at that point, you're like, See, and so I called the wife. Call Irish. And that became a a game, right? And I called the wife. I said, well, (laughs) I started laughing. She says, what's going on? She says, guess where we're going to go? Not Eagle Pass. (laughs) Oh, my Lord, where? Right. I said, we're going to San Antonio. Yippee. She was happy about that. Oh, she loved San Antonio because we had been there. When I was a police officer, we came to the hemisphere. The World Trade? The World Trade, yeah. Yeah, or... Yeah, World Trade Expo or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. was in '68. Okay, '68, '67, '68. It was it was so in San Antonio. Oh yeah, it's a big it's a big little city, kind of. Yeah. especially probably back then. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway. it's not Chicago, but it's oh yeah, it's got some buildings, so, so, it's a cool downtown, and uh, I started looking around for a place to live, and our secretary Rose Perillo, wonderful lady Rose Perillo. Yeah. Uh, she was actually from New York, and her husband was in the Air Force, and that's how they ended up in San Antonio. And uh, she worked at the office for the for the agents. Okay. And uh, she says, "Well, you don't want the Northeast." I says, "I'm not familiar with anything." Right. She says, "I would suggest you go look at Leon Valley." Where is Leon Valley? He says, right. "Well, it's a suburb of San Antonio on the northwest side of town." So I have this. Realtor lady that's gotten homes for the two or three of the agents here. Okay. You might want to have her do that. And sure enough, she showed me about four or five houses, and then I saw the one I wanted right there, which is the one I've been living in now for more than 50 years. Right. But anyway, I saw it. I called the wife. She came up. She loved it. She asked for a transfer. By this time, she's working for customs herself. Oh, okay. And uh, they transferred her here. And her office was at Lackland Air Force Base. Oh, so not too, too far away. No. Right. And uh, and I started working. <laughs> and since I was a, a, a customs patrol officer, I was assigned to the airport to check uh, cargo that came yeah, I mean, in from Central planes. and South America or okay. any other place, actually. Yeah. But when there was no planes coming in, I would patrol in the lobby around just looking, just watching people. Yeah, just watching people, basically. Yeah. And one day, uh, it was a hot summer day. It was it was in August, late August to be exact. Um, walking around, and I decided to go to, up to the concourse where their boarding is done. The people are, yeah, they're going through. The and gates. so I got there, and it was like I said, a very hot day. And by this time, people were relaxed. They were wearing t-shirts and sports shirts and stuff. And I noticed this one guy that was wearing a, a coat. Three quarter in the length, summertime. Three quarter length, a wool coat, thick. And the guy was perspiring up a storm. And I said, hmm, that's strange. Yeah. So I st- kept looking at him, kept looking. He kept looking around and kept looking around. And then he, he looked at me. He caught. A, caught that you were looking at him. Yeah, and he he caught him. me looking at him. And he backs up a little bit, three or four steps. And he takes off towards the main lobby. And the chase is on. And I was pretty fast back then. I caught up with the guy, tackled him right as we got into the main lobby, in the center of the lobby. Yeah. And I, as he was running, I could see him pulling stuff and putting it in his mouth. And so when I tackled him, I turned him over and I grabbed his throat so he wouldn't swallow. And there was one packet still in his mouth. And he was going gagging and I pulled it out. People thought I was killing the guy, and they were hitting me, trying to get me off of him. And luckily, there was a U.S. Marshal who was also in, in the in, like in, station there. Yeah, stationed in there. Okay. Yelled out at people, leave him alone. He's a federal agent. Get away. Get away. And so they got away from him. And Roger Brecky, who was the senior agent at the airport okay. for customs, came up. And I says, Roger, he, I got this out of his mouth. He, he swallowed some other, Yeah. So he says, all right, well, can't cuff him and we'll take him. There was a, there's a hospital just east of uh, the airport. So it's a Baptist hospital. Southeast Baptist, I think is the name okay. of it. Anyway, we could, took him to the emergency room. <coughs> they gave him a shot, I think. It was a shot or... Yeah. It to was counteract sh- the drugs yeah. in his stomach. No, they, they gave him a shot. And about two, three minutes after they gave him the shot, he throws up. Ah. And out came four more packets. 
that saved his life because because it would have broken down and he would have overdosed, right? He, he I mean, would be dead. Yeah, with less than an hour. So, but he ended up killing himself, though. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Right. he came from a very wealthy family in Oklahoma. Okay, they owned a furniture store. He no. was just transporting drugs. Yeah, and he was an addict himself. So they put him in jail. They hired a very good lawyer. I forgot the guy's name, but he was a well-known lawyer out of Houston. Yeah. But the guy hung himself in, in the Prison cell. or something. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah, but that, I mean. So that that particular case, by this time, Fred Turner is now in San Antonio. Okay. So I think what Fred is doing is working his way back to Brownsville because he owns that beautiful home on the golf course. Right. And he's fixing to He's retire. working his way back. Yeah. Home. So <laughs> Fred's there. Uh, Fred congratulated me. It's a hell of a case. Good eye. Good eye. I right. said, well, it's obvious the guy's wearing a coat. Said, it's, yeah, it's like, it'd be like now, yeah. like wearing says, a coat yeah. right now. Like, he you says, don't do that. I said, yeah. Well, yeah, but not many guys would have paid attention to that point. Right. To that thing. So I said, yeah. So you're doing a great job. You know what? Go take a test to become a special agent. All right. So, okay. So a guy so by a special the, agent still for customs at this point. For customs, right. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, another gentleman by the name a good, became a very good friend. He and I started together. Was He was a state, ex-state trooper. Okay. DPS. He and I took the test for agents. And it was funny, you know. We, <laughs> now I'm laughing about that. We're in this room, and the secretary is sitting there doing paperwork. And gives us a test. He says, yes, take your time. He says, it take, it'll take you about an hour or an hour and a half. It's a hundred and some odd questions. Oh, geez, yeah. I says, okay, all right, thank you. And we started. Then she then she got a phone call and she left the room. But never came back. So Jack <laughs> and I were exchanging for information. <laughs> <laughs> so not, not just to say. You ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> we both passed. <laughs> and so I became a. Um, special agent. Special agent. Now that's big and yeah. custom. Yeah. Right. But being a rookie special agent, you kind of start back at the bottom rung again, At the bottom, right? and everybody had nice cars. And they, Did you drive I, like a Pinto? No, I had a little <laughs> Volkswagen. Boogity, <laughs> boogity, 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 you know. And, and uh, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, it was interesting. That's and awesome. I was gung-ho to go all the way. I mean, right. I, I was gung-ho. Everything I did from that from the time I left the PD to now, I was gung-ho. Right. And uh, uh, it was great. You know, and I'll never forget the very first case that was involved in with the agents. Uh, they were watching a guy bringing in heroin from Laredo and okay. was going to deliver it. We had an agent or two from Laredo following the bad guy, contacted the agents in Antonio, says, we're here, the guy's here, and they gave some instructions. And so everybody goes, all right, let's get out in the store. And I'll never forget uh, that. I got in my little Volkswagen and we take off. Boogity, 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 boogity. <laughs> Thing wouldn't go more than 60 miles an hour. Well, it's a Volkswagen. It had like yeah, one horsepower. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but here I 20. am in San Antonio and I'm lost. Oh, shit. And I could hear the radio because we had radios. And I could hear where they were, but I didn't know where the hell that was. Like, right. okay, he's going to Nogalitas. Where the hell is Nogalitas? Okay, he's going to get off and... Uh, Tampico Street. You're trying to find a map to the... <laughs> yeah. Okay, he's going to cross Laredo... And I, I said, where's that at? And he says, okay, he's headed towards Frio City Road. And I says, well, where in the world is Frio City? And I'm trying, I'm losing. I can't see anybody. And, and you're in a car that goes 60. The next thing I hear was, all right, hit it. And they busted. Okay. And I'm still on, on trying to catch up. And finally, a police car went by with his lights flashing. I says, I'll follow that guy. He's got to know something's going on. Yeah, because of the area we were in. And sure enough, it led to... The bust. The, the bust. And, of course, they reported because the agents are in plain clothes. They, right. put, you know, they didn't know, so the police were called about this. And I got there, but they didn't know I got there late, right? So I'm walking around. Oh, it's a good bust. This is, yeah, it's your first one, right? I said, yeah. It's my Damn first right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a little bit of credit for this. I couldn't catch up. But I got there. Uh, no, that's awesome. So that's when, so how long were you, how long was it considered customs? Like before you got well, into DEA, like when the DEA okay, was Okay, I became like, customs in, in 71. Okay. And July 1, I'll never forget. 1971? 
No, or, July 1, 1973. Okay, so you were there for two years yeah, they as customs did away agent, with, or an agent. They did away with the narcotics guys in customs. Ah. In my office, there were six of us that were narcotics. The others were fraud and other... The other things yeah. that were going on, yeah. right. So all six of us were... They came in and told us, you, 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 and you. Guys, go over to... You're now DEA. You're like, what the hell is DEA? Exactly what I said. What is DEA? Drug Enforcement Administration. I says, it was just created. I says, oh, President Nixon. President Nixon is the one that did it. Interesting. Because there had been some problems before in Chicago, New York, and Los Angeles where there were shootouts and it was cops against cops. Because they didn't know. They didn't know. Yeah. So now they're... Like somebody's playing a dealer and somebody's playing the buyer. Yeah. So, So... we reported over here on on Fredericksburg Road. Right. That's where the office was. And uh, we were introduced to the other guys. They were, B, they were BNDD. They were no longer BNDD. What's B, that mean? Bureau of Nar- Dangerous Drugs and Narcotics. Okay. BNDD. And uh, they introduced us to this, and you guys are no longer BNDD, and these are no longer customs. Now you're brothers. Pushed everybody together. And you better get along, because we hate each other. Really? Oh, yeah. Because you're always competing for cases exactly. and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, exactly. But he says, now nah, I don't want any problems. The guy in charge, uh, Keith Figure, was the guy in charge. He says, I'm not going to be here longer, so I'm leaving uh, next week. I'm being transferred. To Dallas. All right. But your new boss is going to be Bill Klein, which was my boss in customs. Oh, okay. So you were from, you yeah. knew him, you worked with yeah. him? Yeah. 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 So so you respect him like you respected me, and I don't want any problems between you guys right. at all. You're on the same you, team. You're now. on the same team, so you're going to have to work together, go out together. And all that. Right. And so that's how the. It's EA, awesome. That's interesting because it's, yeah, when these, when these federal branches get created, it's like, like, how does that happen all of a sudden? And there's obviously the need for it, right? It yeah, just, yeah, it exactly. breaks off from another exactly, area. Yeah, yeah. Customs can still continue focusing on what they need to and their, yeah. their mission, and then now you have Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, we're not going to get too far into the DEA because I want to save that for next time. Okay. Because there's, we could talk probably about that, oh, yeah. your DEA yeah, years, yeah. because yeah. that was the a, a, a huge bulk of your of my career career yeah, absolutely yeah. And we'll get yeah. into that but what i did want to ask is what was your first case like being in in the dea did it change or was it very similar to still being in customs well yeah because same practices the, the, yeah and stuff? The, the thing about this i had a knack for for working undercover right and that I, was one of the things. He was an undercover agent. Yeah. And so... The I, vast majority of your career. I, I had this informant who said, there's this guy that's selling grams on the street there in the corner. And you can all watch him and see what he does. And and sure, sure enough, uh, I went and parked in a, at a sideways there and I could see him. And sure enough, people, guys would come up and they would look around. They would do high fives and then... They would, that's how they're passing their dope off or yeah, whatever, exactly. right? Yeah, And most of them would take the dope and put it in their mouth. Because it's in a baggie or something like that? Yeah, they, they were in little plastic off. bags. Okay. Okay. And uh, this is over off close to the University of of uh, Lady of the Lake. Okay. That's on the west right. side. Yeah. All right. And uh, this was a beer joint that he, I forgot the name of it, but anyway, he was standing in the corner there. The guys would then walk in to the bathroom and shoot up. Oh, geez, yeah. Okay. But he had a hell of a lot of clients, so he must have had a lot of... Dope in his pocket. They're called dime bags. Okay. Dime bags, because you paid $10 for it. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's about half a gram. Okay. Right. Was it like heroin back then? Heroin. Okay. So heroin. So I decided to go up to the guy and just... uh, I I had seen the way he did it, so I did it myself, you know. Hey, capaso, brother. And he goes, hey, how many you want? He says, just one. Let me see how good it is. Oh, it's the best in town, blah, blah, blah. So I give him the 10 bucks, bingo. He's dead now. Yeah. Got it. Walk back there. I called the office and called the agents. Here's what I just did, man. The guy says, you're crazy. You went in the west side? I said, yeah, by yourself? Yeah. It's called work. <laughs> so he says, I just bought a baggie, a $10 baggie, a dime bag. Mm-hmm. from this guy in the corner. Yeah, we've heard about that guy. You got it. You, 
I said, yes, I did. So I says, we'll be right over. So they came over, about four, four of the guys. Jim Lynch, no, who was it? Jim Henderson, they called him Honda. Jim C., they called him Poco. Uh, they all had names. Nicknames. Yeah, Poco because they, they asked Jim C., do you speak Spanish? And he goes, Poco, which means little. Okay. But that's all he knew. That was the only word. <laughs> so they called him Poco. And Honda, they called Jim Henderson, they called him Honda because he was always going, vroom, vroom, let's, oh, let's, go, let's go do something. <laughs> so they, they called him Honda. And everybody had a, a nickname. But anyway. What was your nickname? They didn't give me a nickname. No, 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 no. Interesting. <laughs> well, Why did you no, not? They, see, they kind of sidestepped me because I, I had a little bit of a temper at that time. Ah. I spoke my mind, in other words. They right. were going, no, that's not good. No, it's bullshit. Let's do it this way. Right. But anyway, so awesome. so out there, <laughs> and so they decided to see who was supplying the guy. Mm-hmm. And, and sure enough, he must have run out, and they gave him a little brown paper bag in there. And it's a refill, basically, and right? Refill. And then the guy leaves, so they followed that other dude. And they busted him, and he had more heroin. And I went and busted the guy. The little bag had about, oh, I don't know, $100 worth of dime bags. Yeah. And that was my first case undercover. Under, as an agent. Undercover as an agent. So that's awesome. And from then on. Oh, it went much, oh, much bigger. We'll get into that oh, next time. Let yeah. Me tell you, from then on, it went crazy. Guys were calling me from Laredo to go work a case Different for them. Different cases all over Florida, Florida and Phoenix. And yeah, yeah. You name it. Yeah, I was there. there. I was there. They would call for me. The original. Donnie Brosco, basically, <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, yeah. we need to start thinking about it. So thanks. I appreciate you spending some time yeah, today. Absolutely. So um, we're going to wrap up tonight. Um, we'll be back with another one here shortly. Uh, thanks to all of our military first responders, everybody, all of you guys that make this happen. We appreciate spending some time with us. Albert, I really appreciate you spending some time. Yeah, I'm sharing pleasure. some of your, your background, your yeah. history, and talking stories because that's important, I think. Uh, I've, I've lived a And he's got some... Wait till you guys yeah, hear some of the life. stories are, yeah. he's an adrenaline junkie is what he really is. And I think that's really what I, he, to this day, you kind of still are. The guy buys a, an AR-15 um, uh, airsoft gun so he can torture his squirrels. It's just, it's in his blood. So yeah. thank you very much, dude. All Appreciate right. it. You guys have a good night. I'll catch you a little bit later.